Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Get a Little Weird podcast. My name's Nate Murray. Uh, we are in season three, episode six. Today's episode is a conversation with an old friend who I have not talked to. I think we figured in about fifteen years. <laughs> so um, it's nice to uh, nice to catch up. Um, he's been doing a lot of really awesome stuff that's right up my alley, and, uh, and the conversation gets pretty, pretty awesome, pretty quick, so, uh, hope you guys enjoy this one, it's an extra long one, so you'll need, uh, well, if you're hearing this, you've obviously downloaded it, so you know, you'll need to get your Wi-Fi on to download this one, <laughs> so, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let it, uh, yeah, we'll get to it. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, it's been a while, right? I'm sorry, what'd you say? It's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think I've heard your adult voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of weird, man. That's cool. Yeah, it's probably been since we were children, you know? It, yeah, I think it was you moved to Centerville in uh, seventh grade, right? Yeah, seventh grade. I actually went to Northeastern Junior Senior High. Um, lived in Whitewater, Indiana. I don't know if you know where that is, but it's out in the no. sticks, very close to Centerville. Okay, yeah i I remember when when we were in school. I uh, I remember people saying like, yeah. I think he moved to Centerville and I was like, well, I can't be friends with him then. Cause that's way too far away. And now I moved to Centerville last year and, uh, we bought a house here, me and my wife. And I, uh, I only live 22 minutes from my childhood home. So it's like, it's not <laughs> even that far. <laughs> yeah. When you're a child distance just seems further, doesn't it? Yeah. You don't have a car, you don't have a vehicle to get around. You know, a mile is, I don't know. It just seems like forever, but when you're an adult, you're like, oh, it's only 20 minutes away. That's not bad. Yeah, that's that's how it is, man. It's, but yeah, that's so. Oh my gosh, here we go. <laughs> you have a dog. Yeah, two dogs. Yeah, but one doesn't bark. So, but the little the little one barks. So. <laughs> nice. What's her name? Uh, Bear is the little one, and then uh, Darcy's the big one. Nice. We have one dog. He's a little, um, it's just a little guy. He's a mix between, I don't know if you know what a Chinese crested is, but a Chinese crested and a Chihuahua. His name's Goblin. Yeah. No, no clue what a Chinese crested is. They're cool. They're like, they're, um, hypoallergenic. They have no fur, just hair and they have long tails like a pony. So just like, I uh, think of a, a really tiny horse dog. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. That um, I bear bear is a Shih Tzu and a toy poodle, and he's hypoallergenic. But Darcy isn't. He sheds like crazy. So, <laughs> but yeah, man, I didn't know if you wanted this to be the test or just start rolling. I don't. I don't care either way. Oh, I'm game for anything. Um, feel free to start it whenever you want. I suppose I see the recordings going. That's that's nice that I can see the number since you're having to stop it every so often. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you just want to roll into it, that's totally fine with me. I'm 
I'm, I'm here to answer any questions you have or talk about whatever kind of stuff you'd like to discuss. Cool, man. Well, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't see an issue. Um, I can't perceive that there would be an issue, but I, I think I am going to hop off and listen to this real quick because uh, you, you never know with technology. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't blame you. So you feel feel free. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll just listen to the first couple seconds of it, and, and that's normally a, a, a telltale sign. So gotcha. I'll go ahead and hop off, and I'll get you back in like five minutes. All right. All right, that works. Hey, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Hey Nate. Hey, how's it going? Uh, not bad. Uh, yeah, not as yeah. Nothing's changed in the last five minutes. So, <laughs> well, well, good. And yeah, um, I looked up the crested um, Chinese crested, and I immediately was like, "Oh my, that's probably the ugliest dog." <laughs> oh, okay. We're so this is how we're gonna start. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, they are adorable, and I got to say, they're one of the sweetest breeds I've, I've ever come across. Like, our, our little boy is, he's just the nicest little dog. He's, he's, he's kind. But, the, I mean, I can understand that. I, there's a reason we called him Goblin. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, there has to be, I'm, I'm thinking, unless he's just, you know, he, I, f- I feel like you're kind of a fantasy guy anyways. I'm like, well, there's got to be something there, but... And I, I'm not saying ugly isn't bad. There's a cute, well, there's a cuteness in ugliness. When yeah, there is. Dog. There is a connection of some sort. I, when I grew up, uh, I loved to watch like old Jim Henson movies, and The Labyrinth was a big fan. Or I was a big fan of The Labyrinth. And um, when we first got him, he came home and started acting weird and rolling around and stuff, and just displaying what I would assume to be goblin behaviors and i associated that with the labyrinth if you've ever seen it and jim henson's puppets and he, he kind of reminds me of one like these gnarly looking fantasy goblin puppets yeah you know regrettably i haven't watched uh the labyrinth but i have seen the dark crystal and and i i like all of jim henson's stuff and i don't know if i don't know if you ever caught on sci-fi channel they had the jim henson like uh like a competition almost uh uh, making uh, making puppets and and things. I'm not, I'm not. I haven't even heard of that. Uh, is that similar to Face Off? Uh, something yeah, like, it like is, a competition yeah. show. Gotcha. So back in the day, like in 2013, I think it was. Uh, me and my wife, we watched it when we were still. Uh, I think we were still engaged at that time, uh, and we we would TiVo at her parents' house and watch it. And it was Face Off, and then Jim Henson uh, show after that, and it was really neat. I mean, his work is pretty cool. I like it a lot. I um, think Jim Henson was a cool dude. He did a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> I will have to check that show out. Do you know the name of it? Ah, uh, man, it, it's got his name in it. I, I'm going to go ahead and look it up. You'll have to add that to the rotation. I've been on a podcast kick recently, actually. Um, so you messaging me out of the blue was like a weird synchronicity. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, okay. Jim Henson's Creature Shop, uh, Creature Shop Challenge is what it's called. It's uh, it's pretty legit. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I think it's even. I mean, it being on Sci-Fi, also it 
I imagine it was produced by the same people who did Face Off, and I we really enjoy that show. Yeah, that show is incredible. It's fun. I mean, the judges the judges sometimes are really harsh on them. I think that they are under a lot of pressure, and I do have friends that are in the FX industry. Um, I actually have I don't you might know I'm blanking on his name right now. might know this guy uh do you know anthony kosar no he i believe he was on that show but he's in tv and doing fx still so he's still in the industry but i've met him at this illustrators convention a couple years back he's a really cool guy yeah a lot of those a lot of those guys like and see we we also watch like the the ink master and stuff like that for tattoos (laughs) yeah we we watch that too yeah it's we we enjoy the crud out of that stuff because like we you know i'm not i'm not doing any of that professionally but i i love art and i always have mm-hmm. um and just to see where people's heads are and then like honestly sometimes just to see people choke is is kind of <laughs> thrilling like well, the stakes are heightened too in ink master as opposed to some other shows because that that stuff is permanent yeah <laughs> So you really have one shot to make it a good tattoo, and if you if you screw up, then uh, you're going home, and then somebody's gonna have to get some removal or just deal with it. Maybe it's a cool story, you know. Well, yeah, and you, you talk. I mean, you talk about like harsh judges. That some of those guys are like ridiculous. I would agree. Like, yeah, uh, especially I don't remember his name. The um, it's not Oliver Peck. It's not. Uh, it's not Dave Navarro. I don't remember. Is Chris his name. Nunez right? Chris, yeah, Chris Nunez. Uh, he can be harsh sometimes, but I think he's coming from a a place of leadership. He he knows a lot about uh, his specific style of tattooing, and so when people screw it up, he he just hammers them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it, it's entertaining for sure. It's a popcorn show. Don't really have to think too much and just get entertained by people making art. It's it's fun. Oh yeah. No, uh, we. Um, we actually thought about getting, cause you know, we've got, um, Peacock downloaded and that's where you can find, uh, all the sci-fi shows, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta get in at five bucks a month. And I thought that'd be really worth it. I think cause we'd watch the heck out of that stuff. Like, I didn't know sci-fi was all on Peacock. That's interesting. We, we have succumbed to this, I guess, new brand of, cable tv where you're piecemealing all these different subscriptions together we have discovery uh i don't know if you've ever seen swamp people but that show is fun yeah yeah <laughs> my mom like, uh, mm-hmm. my mom used to walk around and say shoot them shoot them <laughs> it's so annoying but <laughs> <laughs> that show's really entertaining it's it's awesome to see people who are so in their element who have been doing something for generations uh, it has this primal quality to it that's really fun. We've lost our connection with the Earth, and so it's almost like watching Aliens again. Like if you're watching on a sci-fi show, watching people in the Paleolithic era doing stuff, it just seems that far removed from, especially my life. My life is sitting in, on a, in a chair making art every day, usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that is kind of, yeah, it, <laughs> And it's not even like a, like as as men, I think we can look at us and, and say, 
well, maybe that's manlier than what I do. And it's not even, it is kind of like watching a different species doing something because they've got these, they've got these attributes that we've just let go, you know? There's a lot so that we can learn from people, um, people like that. They, they hold on to knowledge. I like their oral traditions and uh, it's something like a recipe being passed down through generations without writing it down is really interesting to me the way that it, um, it probably does change over time, but it somehow gets better and um, people hold on to that heritage. It's, 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 it's a fun thing. That show is really interesting. We also got hooked into, I don't know if you've ever seen Flea Market Flip, but we're big antique heads. We like to go mess around uh, at antique stores and stuff. So that, that kind of scratches that bone since we're inside right now. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never seen that, but I've seen that one on History Channel. Um, and it's escaping me right now. But it's like a similar thing. Like they go, they go to people's like out, uh, like, like they go out to people's sheds and stuff and, and find like oh, American pickers. Baby. American pickers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that show's good. I watch that show sometimes. Yeah, and it's oh. um, it's interesting. Like because when you see, like you know when we were kids, you know, you go out to somebody's house in the country and there is stuff like that in those barns and stuff. And, and you see that stuff on the, like I've seen stuff on American pickers where I go, crap, I've seen that in somebody's, you know, you know, barn out back. Hmm. <laughs> so I, I wonder was, if they know how much it's worth, you know, <laughs> maybe not. Some of these people collect that stuff just through their life and, it, and it, it gains, it gains value, right? It's something that's old and vintage. Like the, I never, I never understood, or I guess I never realized that signage was so important. Now that I've watched American Pickers, they're always going for those old oil signs and things like that. And I had no idea there was value in that. I thought it was just refuse. Yeah. And even like, uh, man, they've got like the, like cans of turpentine and stuff that, that still have the, uh, that still have the wrap intact and stuff and still have the label intact. Like that's big bucks. Like, hmm. and, and some people would just pitch that, you know? Yeah, I would. I, we just bought a house last year and it came with some paint and some stuff like that. And uh, we have a crawl space an exposed crawl space in the basement. And we did find some little weird knickknacks that back in there. Uh, but nothing that seemed like it was valuable, like on American Pickers. So has that been uh, has that been the change for you then? I because like I don't know because like, you're in Indianapolis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we live in Indianapolis on the so east side. Did you get like pretty rocked by by quarantine then, or? Uh, I guess in what way, uh, for me, this is, I don't know how many, this is the 14th month of March or, you know, 13th or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I am used to being inside. I didn't really get rocked by it because my job keeps me indoors a lot of the time. So a lot of people were shell shocked because like my wife, she, she had to come home and start working and she's been working from home for a year now. And, but when she first got to the house, it was a little bit of a culture shock. It's like, oh, this is what you do all day. She she learned a little bit about my schedule. So I'm going a little bit stir crazy, but I just got my my first dose of the vaccine. I'll get, I'll get my my second here soon, and uh, hopefully hopefully things can start to go back to normal. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Like we, like here in Wayne County, there's not been a lot of like, okay. For personally, for me, when, when it all started, I was still working at the casket factory in Richmond. And uh, so I was, I was essential. And so I went to work every day. Like it was not any different. It was just when I went to the store, there were less people at the store. When I went to the gas station and there were less people at the gas station and I didn't get to see any of my new neighbors. We had just moved here and it was like, we have, we still have no connection to the community because there, there couldn't be. <laughs> right. But besides I, that, it was just going to work every day for eight hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a friend that's very in a, in a very similar situation where he has he's been an essential worker this whole time. So not much has changed for him other than not seeing more, you know, seeing people regularly. Yeah, and it's I mean, to be honest, like it makes you um it makes you see that like maybe you were annoyed with people this whole time <laughs> because <laughs> not having to see people, I'm like it doesn't really terribly bother me. Um, I can understand that. I, I mean, I have very few close friends. Uh, I have a lot of acquaintances, but for me, I find a lot of fulfillment in my work and um, in my close personal relationships. And uh, this year is, has, I think it's helped a lot of people to reassess what they're driving for socially and what they're, looking at personally and internally. And I think this last year has, if there is any silver lining on such a terrible year, it's that people have had time to think about themselves and think about their situations and try to grow as people. And I think it's been, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet, but I think there's going to be some good, good change happening. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, now you, so you, you've, you've kind of painted a little bit of the picture, but so you work at home because you're an illustrator for, I mean, that's your full-time job, right? Yes. So I work from home and I think I've been doing this now full-time for several years now, but, but not a terribly long time. So not since I, uh, when I graduated college, I had a day job and I was working with kids and I was coming home and doing this for probably close to two years and then I went full-time. So about three years now I've been doing this. What, where did you attend and where, what did you go for? Uh, I have a degree in illustration from a private Christian school in Indiana. Um, I went there, I went there because my grandparents pushed me um, and that's where they went. And for a while I, I thought that, I wanted to be a doctor and then I decided after, after going and having one class, I was like, nah, I don't think this is for me. Uh, I had this little nugget in my chest that was just calling out and saying that I had to do art because for, I, I grew up poor. And so, um, the main driving factor for me in college was to go to a good school, get a degree and make money for my family. Um, my family and us try to help them to have a better life. And, I got there and it was just, uh, it was kind of a shock, I guess, I suppose. And I said, wow, if I do this, then that's my whole life. And so I just decided to try to live for myself and make those selfish decisions that I never really had. And that led me to where I, I feel like I never want to leave the world of art. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I um, I was just yeah, I was curious because I had never, I had never really heard I, and I knew. Normally, you can if you if you are a professional artist, you have to draw the line from art school to professional artist. <laughs> so I just didn't know where you landed. Um, but that's really awesome. Yeah, I anymore nowadays. You can go from not, you don't even have to go to school. If I was going to give advice to an art student, like, you know, if you were an art student going to school right now, I would suggest maybe just trying to do it online. There's so many artists that are in the professional industries that are teaching online for way cheaper than a college education. Um, I personally think that going to college, it maybe would help if you're having trouble with work ethic or if you need assignments and you're trying to develop those sort of like high school, you're getting used to society by going to class and, and all of that. Uh, college could help if you need a push into being a professional. Um, I found that it helped me build fundamentals and a foundation. And it was it was valuable. Um, but nowadays, there's just so much, there's so much material online that's free, that you can you can be a professional artist nowadays without having to go to school and without having to have a major clients, quote unquote, you, you can just sort of do your own thing and survive. That's awesome. Yeah. I've never, cause I, I, I threw that dream away. I mean, I was never like, because you don't want to toot your own horn. And, and I mean that I, I don't want to at all, but I was told that I was good when I was in high school, but I was also told at the end of my high school uh, senior year that, well, don't don't go try don't go trying to do art school because you don't want to drag your parents down and i was like but don't you think i'm good and my art mm. teacher told me you're good you're just not making anything that's sellable <laughs> and, i mean that's the art that's the kind of advice an art teacher would te would, would say in my opinion and to see that that's the thing that was the only thing it was like almost like a 180 flip because she was behind me the whole time all four years of high school. And then I got to that point and I was like, well, well, hang on. You're saying no one would buy my stuff. And she's like, well, not really. That's not what people want. And I'm, you know, now I see that there's, there's endless possibilities. Um, mm -hmm. And but, honestly, that, that, that kind of view is just, it's so old school and it, it reminds me of being in art when I was, when I was a kid too, because I feel like that opinion was really, um, prevalent in art teachers. You know, I went to several different schools. I actually moved away from the school I moved away from, which was Liberty, uh, with you. Uh, I moved away from that second school for one year to a larger school down in Kentucky with a class size was, I think, maybe 900 or something. Uh, so went to several different types and it just seemed to be like back when we were kids and coming up, the advice was, yeah, this is not serious. Like You cannot go into this. Yeah, and I feel like now, because I went to I went to school with people that are now art teachers, and I do know a lot of art teachers. I feel like now it's it's shifting a little bit. It's like art teachers now are encouraging kids uh, and telling them that yes, I mean look at look at look at our society. Art is valued. Look at entertainment. Look at movies. Uh, look at video games. Art is is highly valued. I mean it's underpaid, but it's highly valued. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. So. To to move kind of um, to the side, because I do want to come back to what you do, because that's, dude, you're incredible. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, the, 
Okay, so you've you've probably read about NFTs and stuff, right? Yeah, uh, I do have an opinion on that. But go ahead, keep going. No, I I want to hear I want to hear your opinion on it. I mean, okay, just to just to actually, yeah, I'll just go ahead and roll out. NFT is a non fungible token, which is yes. an item on the blockchain. It's like buying a it's like buying the Mona Lisa, but you just bought a digital item it could be a soundbite it could be a full song it could be a uh a piece of art like digital art it, it, it could be anything really that it, it, there's it's pretty limitless um mm-hmm. and like the what's the people it sold for people's thing it sold for like 69 <laughs> million or whatever yeah i think <laughs> i think uh whoever did did is it is people the artists see i i know i know some, but I don't, I guess I don't know everything. And so I don't know if people's the artist or if the, the title of the, the piece is sold, but yeah, be- I think it made, yeah. okay. I think it made people like in the, like number three of living artists, as far as who's getting paid the most or has been paid the most for a piece of art. And we're talking, you know, elite New York painters, modern painters. Uh, like I think he leapfrogged Jeff Koons or I'm not sure where he sits exactly, but uh, he immediately jumped to the top of the list almost. Yeah. And when you, and here's the thing, like artist subjective, whatever. But when you look at that thing and you go, okay, it's an image made of 5,000 different images. What my personal opinion, I go, whatever, definitely not worth $69 million. I can think of like, four things that are worth $69 million. And most of those are like <laughs> rockets and then like government buildings. So, well, you have to look at it in it through a different lens. It may not be worth it, but I mean, it's valued at that amount now. And, um, I, my position on NFTs is, is that I'm not going to touch them until the technology changes. Uh, I don't want that. I don't want to encourage, encourage it there's there's just things about nfts that are concerning to me uh, i mean you could consider the environmental con- uh, problems and and that's a huge major part of it yes the, the environmental issues associated with nfts are it's 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 something to think about uh but i there, i'm not sure how much of this is is true or uh, all i know is that a lot of these large purchases being made in you know say ethereum coin uh, a lot of them are being made by people who have a vested interest in Ethereum coin. So it's, it's, it's like a pyramid scheme in a way where you have these huge artists that are coming on and selling NFTs and then they're convincing artists below them to upload their material and mint pieces. And then that, that content is sort of just rots on those platforms while the, the, the people that are above them are just funneling all this money. Uh, because the hype is real. Like you have NFL players that are doing NFTs. You have Tom Brady who started, I think he started an NFT organization uh, whose goal is to probably sell NFT versions of autographs. So oh. it, it's the technology application is immense, but I just can't let my my ethics, my personal ethics push me in that direction until they figure out how to make it sustainable and how to make it affordable for a lot of other people who want to enter the space who don't have massive followings and don't have uh, the connections to just rake in $18,000 on a JPEG of, 
a variant piece that you just slapped a color over in Photoshop. Yeah. That it is kind of it is kind of silly and now the qu- the question I have for you, you said environmental um in, in the environmental problem and do you mean in the in the marketplace for it or are you talking about what I read an article about um where the electricity that it takes to keep the blockchain running. Uh, there is some concern with the electricity that it takes. Uh, there, there are some problems with, with how much electricity is produced, but also how much electricity it takes to store all of these things. Um, but I think a, one of my most major concerns is that these things are just getting lost. So like people buy them for you know $20,000 and it really it's just a link. You're buying a link to a JPEG host on their server. And anyone with that link can go and view the JPEG. And there's going to be some problems that crop up with, you know, servers going down. The host has issues. Uh, so it's, it's going to be hard to access those files in the future. For me, it's just not, the technology is not figured out. We're in this weird pirate phase, it seems, where everyone's just trying to make money and gather their gold. But there's going to be people that get hurt because they're spending, you know, $20,000 of Ethereum when they could cash that out and pay off their their debts or their bills. And uh, it's going to happen. I mean, the same thing happened with GME. I hold GME right now. I've been holding since it all happened. Uh, But what's GME then? GME is on the stock market. GME, uh, if you don't follow what's going on, it's if you look up Wall Street bets, you'll see that um, investors, you know, like me and others uh, are on Reddit and, we all just really like the stock. We like GameStop and we've just been holding and the stock market's been going kind of crazy. It, there's, it's pretty complicated of a subject, but if you look it up, look up GME, Wall Street Bets, it's really fun and fascinating. I mean, I don't hold, I just hold one share. So is, G, uh, is GME the GameStop share then? Because I have read a lot about that. I just didn't know. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, yes, cool. okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, in then. Yeah, so it's a really fun thing. I, I, I picked one up when it was cheap, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ride this thing out because um, I, <laughs> I, I, I've i never wanted to invest in the stock market, and it always seemed to me like it's a way to get back at it after, say, the housing crisis in 2008, stuff like that, where you saw the housing market collapse, and then these elite rich people in New York are on their balconies having champagne. I always hated that idea. It reminded me of it reminded me of uh, like Marie Antoinette and uh, King Louis and 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 the, the riots that happened in France. It seems like the, the, the there really are people that are they're just so rich, like billionaires. That it's just it doesn't seem ethical to me anymore to have people that have that much. Yeah, money. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you there. We're struggling. I think everybody everybody that I know is struggling, and and yeah, and if mm-hmm. if they're not struggling on face value, they're when you put us up against billionaires, like I make, I make $28,000 a year. That's not enough to live on. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you look at it, uh, I saw this the other day and they said, if you made $10,000 a day since the United States was founded, you'd still have less than a billion dollars. I think it's somewhere around like 900 million. So you still would not have 1 billion. These, these men at the top, you know, Bezos and, and Musk, they have, they have billions. Now, do you do you want another topic shift real quick? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm down for whatever topics you right. got for me today. Well, I'm gonna hop off. I'm gonna restart this because we're almost at the 30 minute mark. <laughs> so, yeah. All I'll right. Catch you in like a minute, man.
Okay. Hello. Uh, I hate that we have to do that, but it's better because at least this episode isn't going to turn into Mark Eats Meat where we're talking over each other near the end. So, (laughs) So, okay, with Jeff Bezos, I don't really pay any attention to him. He's not even vaguely interesting to me. Do I use Amazon? Yes. Why? Because it's cheaper and it can get to my house quicker. <laughs> like with uh, with Elon Musk, you if you you're lying if you say you're not interested in the things that he's doing because <laughs> he is an interesting character. I mean, interesting could be positive and negative thing. You can be interested in something that is, you know, you can see the horrific implications of the progress, right? I mean, yeah, you can consider the dystopic vision of right now he's he's putting Neuralink chips into into monkeys' heads and having them play games with their minds. And I mean, if if you've seen Planet of the Apes, then then at least the thought pops into your mind, right? Oh yeah, and and that's like I I have I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of the new movies, and I I regret that. So they're good, they're good. That's see, and I hear that. I hear that. So I need to, I need to just get on that. But the the thing about like, okay, like you said, is is he good or bad? Well, when you look at it that way, if you see an interesting guy, he's good and bad. He's honestly at this point, I can't say either. I'm I'm just gonna say neutral because until he does something horrific, I can't say he's bad, and until he saves a bunch of people's lives with something, you know, the, the, what they're going for with Neuralink, like, like my grandma, my grandma, before she died, she couldn't barely walk. And I, the doctors couldn't figure out. And she was kind of a heavy set woman anyways, but she just, she had trouble getting around. And I'm like, would Neuralink have helped her? Like, could, could because I, when I would visit her in the nursing home, I'd say, you know, if I, I said, Grandma, you know what I'd do if I won the lottery today? And she said, what? And I'd say, well, I'd wait, I'd wait for my money because I couldn't get it immediately. <laughs> but the second I got the money, I would order you some biomech suit that, <laughs> that you could strap on and walk around because there's no reason you shouldn't be able to walk around. And if, if Neuralink could do the things it's saying they're eventually going to be able to do, that's great. But I also think about the SpongeBob SquarePants movie and the Chum Bucket helmets, and I'm like, <laughs> no way, Plankton, like, get out of here. <laughs> well, Elon Musk, it's a complicated story with him, right? Because he came from family money. That you know, There's maybe some implications to how he got it, being in an apartheid mine, and that kind of there's – the, there's the seeds of, like, a Bond villain, right, in the, in the beginning of his life, and – he goes through this journey of becoming this Tony Stark style character. Um, and it, it, you're right that some of the implications of this technology are going to be positive. Um, I guess it's the cynical side of me, you know, it says, you know, there is no ethical billionaire and he could be doing more. It doesn't matter what he's doing. Um, but there's a conspiracy side to me. Uh, I just love conspiracy theory. I like thinking about, um, the the possibilities, and we could find it. Have you seen Elysium? It has has Mad Team, and I, I believe in it. And it's yeah, we own it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, 
I mean, that's another possibility, you know, another dystopic vision. You know, these elites are going to take the technology. They're going to learn how to correct aging. They're going to learn how to eliminate sickness and disease, and they're going to go off into space or, you know, get off the planet and leave everyone else here to rot. Uh, I'm not sure if he's altruistic. I now I think being a good and bad person, it's hard because I think everyone has the capability to be a good person, but also to do terrible things. And Elon Musk is, like you said, he's just, he's an interesting character that is, uh, has had problems before and he's bound to have problems again. And he has, he has a public platform. So anything he says and, and does is going to get amplified by the press and by Twitter and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I have hope that his, the application of his technology will be a positive thing for the country. Yeah, the same here. And that's, you know that that is kind of a scary that is kind of a scary thing of, of thinking of all of that in terms of Elysium. I mean, those those movies like that and Chappie and uh, I, I didn't watch District. Uh, what is that called? District Eight or District Nine? District Nine. Hunger Games is confusing the crap out of me. <laughs> you should watch that one because that one's actually that's probably the best out of the three there. You think so? Yeah, and I believe he's doing a, a sequel, but. But yes, District Nine is 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 a is a must recommend. It's a good yeah. one. I'll have to I'll have to put that. I think it's on Netflix too, so I'll put it on my list. But uh, no, like with Elysium and Chappie, you you look at movies like that, and even I'm just going to throw Inception in there too. It, there's these movies that are like, I think they're based, and I, I would even say Interstellar too. <laughs> there there are these movies now that are like, they're built on these scientific principles, and they're not really it's not as science. It's not as much science fiction as it is like applications of real science. I mean, and, and so when mm -hmm. you see it's, it's easier to think that you're, that your world's going to go that way <laughs> when you see these movies. Yeah. It's, it's also easy when you, you feel like you're a, a little bit left out the water, right? Things are, things have, have been boiling for a while. And this last year, for sure felt historic. I don't know if you felt that, but those last years just felt historical around. Like it's a, like a great shifting of the world of, in some, some way. Like things have just gotten pretty bad in the last year. Um, and I think it's gonna be like an incubator of sorts where we're gonna come out on top, at least I hope. Uh, but who knows? There could be all kinds of crazy scenarios. I mean, all part of my job is trying to be fantastical and figure out a cool way to think about it, an idea or a concept, but we could, we could find technological process. I mean, just look at the, the implication of all this alien stuff going on right now. I don't know how in tune you are with that, but we have a lot of evidence for the existence of some sort of UFO. It could be interdimensional or extraterrestrial or what have you, but there's yeah, lots, of, lots of cool stuff going on. I think I'm a little bit more in tune than my wife wants me to be. She's not a, a, a particularly big on aliens, but uh, <laughs> I remember in, man, when was it? It was sometime during the quarantine when uh, New, I read a New York, New York arm. Come on. Oh, the New York times article, the one that had the gimbal video yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched that video like a hundred times and I was like, I think this is real. Like, I don't, I don't think that, the New York Times, I don't think, publishes stuff that's fake. 
Well, I mean, obviously they have, there are CIA agents that are a part of these, all these news organizations that are trying to push, push some sort of narrative. So I think that at this point, there's just so much evidence that it's bursting and they need to control the narrative. So yes, there are going to be things that are real. Like you like, I believe that those videos are real. I think that they're putting out things, this, all these evidences are real. It's just, how are they going to slant it? Like, are they going to claim that there's an alien invasion and try to unite the world, you know, behind a, an order of some sort, or, you know, what's the angle they're going to take? Um, so trying to be objective about the information is important, but I a hundred percent think that those images that we've seen, those videos are super compelling. There's, there's a lot of documentaries as well. I don't know if you've seen the, the phenomenon, but that's a really good one to watch if you haven't. The phenomenon? No, I'll look mm -hmm. that up. I think that one's by James Fox and he has Jacques Vallée on. And they talk about all kinds of really cool stuff. There's lots of cases. If you're going to look up any case, uh, if you're listening to this, you want to look up any case that might compel you, look up the Zimbabwe UFO uh, landing. That case is incredible. I'm going to go ahead and write these two things down. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is the movie called? The movie is called The Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Cool. Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe landing then. Yeah. Uh, a UFO landed in a field outside of recess at this school, and a bunch of kids got within feet of an entity. Huh. And that was recent, you say? Uh, this is not recent. This happened, I'm not sure of the time, maybe back in the 80s. Okay, late, because there was, also, there was also a story that I heard um, – on a paranormal podcast that talked about in the 80s, mid-80s, I believe, there was a, a group of school children in Russia that um, actually walked into the craft. Oh, I haven't heard that story. Yeah, that's. Um, I heard that on uh, This Paranormal Life, which they – sometimes I wonder where they get some of their stories. And it, it's, a, it's a comedy paranormal podcast, so – Mm-hmm. You know, take it with a grain of salt kind of thing. But uh it's uh yeah, I it, it's interesting and I, I feel like a lot of there there were eras, not eras but decades, where this stuff happened more than others. Uh yeah, I agree with that. It's it's what's one thing that's really interesting. I don't know if they touched on this in that podcast, but it seems to be affecting our consciousness in some way. So back in Roman times, they saw chariots in the sky, right? And it seems to be in some way related to consciousness altering. And Jacques Vallée said this, and he was talking about how it's almost as if they have a consciousness tool and that they can manipulate reality because our reality is just our perception, right? It's affected by our emotions. It's affected by our traumas and our everything that we're going on through life and the way that we grew up. And so reality... Uh, isn't what well, that we're perceiving isn't the ultimate truth. So we're all experiencing different things in different ways. And he was saying that they might have some sort of tool that can manipulate this consciousness. And that's why a lot of these stories are, are slightly different or uh, through the history, like you said, they, they seem to be uh, similar in some facts, but like what they see is quite different. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and so do you think that they're they're using 
are you saying that they're using the tool to like manipulate that we would see that we manipulation <laughs> come on self <laughs> manipulate our consciousness so that we could see like everybody sees the same thing or are you saying that that it's all different I'm saying that it's probably all different based on who you are. There's a case down in Brazil. So this is an interesting case. It's about uh, entities and UFO sightings and this whole area in Brazil. And they were doing violent things and trying to abduct people. But there's a story of a man who was getting abducted and they tried, he started wrestling with this entity and it tried to hook him. And the guy was a fisherman and that's not really something that you hear a lot in UFO cases and abductions. And um, I was, I was listening to this podcast a while back and they were saying that maybe there's just different types of aliens that are visiting different areas. Like they've, they've agreed to terms and they've sectioned off the earth because UFO cases in the United States seem to be uh, particularly interested in reproduction. Yeah, I, I have heard that. I think the, I don't know what I believe necessarily. I'm a, a big agnostic in a lot of ways, but I think the most, in, one of the most interesting theories is that mankind develops through time and they mess up the earth, whether through not, a, not, not a, touching on climate change or by nuking us into a nuclear war. Uh, but the thought is that that could drive us underground through evolution, shrivel our bodies and enlarge our heads as we have to focus on technology. And the theory is that these gray aliens that are here are just transdimensional beings. It's us from the future. And we're trying to restore our uh, ability to, to uh, procreate because through the years underground, we've lost because um, reports are that they don't, they don't have genitals. And uh, the idea is that we eventually lose our ability to, procreate and to have families and to grow as a species and maybe they're coming back to restore their dna line and then bring it back to the future that is insane <laughs> that is actually like i wish we were on you would dude my face is bright with joy like when i hear that because like what okay have you ever heard of timothy alberino no okay so he used to be on ancient aliens on history channel and they kicked him off because um, he is like, like he believes in God and, and Jesus and everything. Like he, I, I would say he would say he's a Christian, you know? And so, mm. and I, I, I don't think that jived. Some of his stuff didn't jive with, uh, with what the history channel was trying to present, but he sure, was sure. saying that the, uh, he was on this show I listened to called blurry creatures. And uh, he was on there talking about, um, <laughs> How, how great aliens are working for the dragon that's supposed to come that's in, you know, Revelation, the great dragon or whatever. Um, that's pretty cool. That's a cool thought. And so that um, they are taking they're taking human DNA to further understand how to manipulate it because they're trying to um, they're trying to take away. So the dragon evidently knows that that the only way that he can win is to have humanity give up its humanity. And so that, that's why there are agents like on the earth, like Elon Musk, who who's using Neuralink to turn us all into cyborgs. There, he, he's, a, <laughs> he's a pawn to take away our humanity. And the only reason that 
the only reason that Jesus, like if you look at, so this is, this is a big unwrapping here, but of, of pretty much what they, what they say, what they've said since episode one on the show. But so they believe, okay, so you've heard the Nephilim, right? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. am aware of the Nephilim. So, so the, um, the fallen angels come to earth. They mate with human women. They create a master race called the Nephilim. Then the Nephilim create giants. They create, um, you know, Bigfoot, all this stuff, uh, all these cryptids, you know. Well, giants were real. Giants were real. Yes, sure. yes. And that's, yeah, and that's that's the point of the show is they're saying, like, okay, Bigfoot's real, giants are real, all this. And giants, a lot of people on there say, you know, like a lot of the guests that are on there say, Giants still exist here on Earth today, <laughs> which is insane. But so the point of the point of all that is when when the fallen angels came down and mated with human beings, they were uh, they were muddying the human uh, the human race, and so that was their thing. They knew that Jesus couldn't come into a body that wasn't fully human, so they were trying to muddy the race so that that Jesus couldn't come at all. And, but that's, that's why it's so important that um, I think Luke in, in the new Testament, a lot of new, some of the, I think all of the four of the gospels have a genealogy of Christ in there because it goes all the way from Adam to Jesus. And the idea is that all of those people in that line were fully human. They did not have giant blood in them. So, and that's that's nuts. But so his point is then that's why the greys are coming down and abducting people is they're they're genetically modifying the people that they uh, abduct. <laughs> they're, so they're genetically modifying people they abduct. But for what purpose? I mean, if Jesus if Jesus were real and he and, and everything happened, as, as the Bible says, and and all of that, I mean, that stuff happened in the past. Right. So why, why are they coming to the present and abducting people? Um. I guess I lost. <laughs> I guess I lost the 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 train of that. Um, maybe. I don't know. I will have to re. I. I you're making me want to re-listen to the episode now because I'm. I, I can't remember the the end result. <laughs> the end goal. I've never heard that theory. It's it's. I mean, it's it's fascinating uh, to think about the implications of aliens in the Bible. Um. There's there culture and, and myth and religion and superstition and all those places where it feels like a little bit of a gray area where we don't know a hundred percent for verifiable scientific fact that some of these things occurred. I love those areas uh, to explore them and, and tr try to figure out uh, how those could apply in an interesting story sense. I'm a lot of my work revolves around that. Uh, I think that's why I am drawn to conspiracy so much because it feels like modern day fairy tales. Yeah, and that that is, I mean, really, that's what it is. Like, I, I followed, you know, the story, the Q storyline, pretty much all the way through, and I was like, this is the most. Like, if if all of this is fake, then someone, someone wasted. Maybe did they? Maybe they didn't waste their time, but they wrote. They spent their time writing like the greatest modern mystery. I mean. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's all fake. And someone did. I mean, we have people in our society now that will spend a year on a prank, right? 
we've become we've become very dissatisfied with our with our I believe a lot of people are dissatisfied with the country and they're dissatisfied with reality. You know, life life is hard. And I think messing with people, being a little trickster, kind of like Loki, you're just running around and you're chaotic. There are people in this country that just like anarchy and they, they want chaos. And I think whoever whoever started to write as this Q character maybe got in over their heads. Maybe it was multiple people. But there's a lot. There's so much associated with Q that, that can be easily disproven. Um, it's just really hard to, for people to crawl out of that, that mental hole once they start to dig in and they start thinking about it as not a story or not basically fan fiction. Uh, but they start to see it as reality. Yeah. And that's, I'll be honest, like I've told people this and, and I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm sad to, I'm regretful (laughs) of the place that I got, but I was so sucked into it, dude. Like it was hard to, it was hard to crawl out of that hole I was in because Mm -hmm. I, I, my world, mm -hmm. it it shaped your worldview. And, Mm. and and the, the worldview you have is bleak, completely bleak. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah when i came out of when i came out of the the q stuff i was like man i was like uh i was like howie from bench warmers i was eating eating suntan lotion (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a very real possibility that that we're gonna have to figure out because i i mean you i feel like you have a positive like you can look back and, and sort of laugh about it but there are people that are that are still very deep into this subject and they're you know, they're going to need significant help after they realize, you know, what's been going on. And a lot of it's manipulation. I don't know if it's necessarily something that's coming from within the government, like the manipulation itself. The, the problem with the theory, right, is that it does hinge on certain truths, right? It's like there is a deep state. The deep state is literally, it's not as as creepy as it sounds. The deep state's just elect, it's, it's people that aren't elected. They're appointed yeah. by those that we do elect. And so we don't really have control over those. We have the control indirectly as if we vote, but we don't get to pick who's you know, operating the, the UFO collection gathering group that's situated in the FBI or CIA. Or, you know, we don't have any control over that, and we don't know about it either. And I think that's part of the reason that people are so mad that the government lies to us, uh, spe- specifically about UFOs. And you, know, you just look back at Roswell, and you have – interviews from the people that were holding up the 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 mylar in those fake pictures and they are on video saying yeah they they told us to hold this up they told us that we need to lie and and then the real materials got shifted off to an air force base now is that um that was back in the day i'm not i'm not familiar with what you're talking about with the roswell case yes this is this is the first most famous case uh, where a ufo crashed in the middle of the desert out in New Mexico. And then the government came and uh, this, and this, and the debris was just spread out over a large, a large amount of area, several football fields. And they came in and they said, yes, this was just a weather balloon. And they, they, they just lied straight to the public. And this continued, you know, this, this pattern of we're going to conceal and repress the information. It continued with, um, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, I think is his name, and this case in Michigan that happened probably 
20 years later. I'm not sure of the timeline, but he's a, he's in Michigan and he's saying that, oh, no, these people didn't see UFOs in the sky. They saw swamp gas. And so you still have people to this day that will say, no, those aren't UFOs. That's swamp gas. And so those little moments where the government lies can really affect the the, the minds of its uh, the people of the country. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all. <laughs> like and who the you know I've talked to somebody before and who are you protecting if it's real if it truly is real? Well, I, I think I, I think the answer is that they're protect they're trying to protect themselves because uh, what are the implications if there is an interdimensional people or, an, or you know extraterrestrial people visiting the earth whatever you want to call them if there's something that has sufficiently advanced technology that it, to us it's like this is magic then there's no way to protect ourselves there's no way that the country can defend us and so i think that it's part out of, out of self-preservation they don't want people to freak out but it's it's also because they want to maintain the status quo gotcha and try to figure it out behind the scenes i mean that's 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 my theory but Obviously, we don't know much. What we, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was a, a UFO provision tacked onto a COVID relief bill that went around in December, I think. I did hear and, about that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it says that they have to release all the information that they, they do have in a report about 180 days after that. So we are due for some more disclosure, and that will probably occur in June or July. And that will be – I'm looking forward, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that because now – okay – if it comes out and they and they say, well, it's just overhyped stuff, and, and really it was this natural explanation, are you going to totally be like bullcrap? I mean, I think a lot of people will accept it, but I mean, I uh, my point of view is always just accept the information, the new information, change your worldview. Um, I think it's way more likely that it's going to come out and say, yeah, we still don't know what this is, uh, because. There's a lot of things that lead me to this conclusion, but uh, you have Russia, you have China, you have us. We, you know, these three major world powers are all trying to shoot them down. And sometimes they're giving orders not to shoot them down. Like this is a blanket order. Do not shoot at UFOs, uh, like in Russia uh, sometimes. And to me, that just signifies that no one really knows what it is. And that means that nobody really has the technology or if they do, it's just a shade. So I think that a lot of these cases that are occurring in the United States, a lot, some of them could be our own government with technology that they have recovered and they're doing their own experiments. But, you know, that came from somewhere, right? Yeah. That technology came from somewhere, whether it's interdimensional or, or not. I think the, the, the best explanation is interdimensionally. But it does. It doesn't explain why their ships don't conform to the laws of physics. Now, here's here's something I have to ask you since you use the word, and that's this is back to that Timothy uh, Timothy Alberino episode of Blurry Creatures. So in, mm -hmm. in it, they were talking about, okay, what do you think about Bigfoot? Do you think he's interdimensional? Because there are stories about Bigfoot being interdimensional, like uh, like mm -hmm. being able to you know, having supernatural abilities and and i guess interdimensional is then like a blanket word maybe maybe for saying like well he's not just always in the woods he does disappear in front of people and and timothy alberino said okay just shut up right here because you don't even know what inter interdimensional means and it got me hmm. thinking like i've used that word a lot like what does it mean and i'm you know i'm thinking in the in the case of like planes of existence like there's a there's a real world that we live in and then there are demonic realms that that 
kind of overlap each other. Hmm. And so I, is that the way you look at it or? I would say that there's a separation. So I, I think there's probably multiple realities, which we could also call multiple universes. So there are different timelines and time is like a strand. And if I decide to knock my drink over now, that's a different universe. If I decide to leave it there, then it's you know this universe. Uh, so it could be something as small as that. It could be something as large as major differences, like the president of the United States right now is, is not who he is. Uh, it could be you know, anybody. Uh, when I'm talking interdimensional, I think it's more a, so an association with the layers of the physical reality that we're in. So when like we talk about the fourth dimension, that would be time, right? But it's really hard to grasp the fifth dimension and the sixth dimension. And an easy way to visualize this is to look up a, a, a tesseract. So look up a tesseract on the internet. It's a it's a fourth dimensional object and it's it's convalescing. It's inside and outside. There's, there's a lot of interesting uh, theory about it, but the way that it appears in our universe is almost impossible to, to rationalize in your mind. Uh, you almost You have to see a simulation of it. Uh, because it never really shows the true nature of a Tesseract uh, because it's just so absurd. So it's possible that that's what we're seeing, these absurd, horrific images and things that we sometimes catch out of the corner of, the, of our eyes or that people report, like the Mothman. It could They could be uh, the innards or the insides or the twisting nature of that abomination, but it's it's more palatable if you were a fifth-dimensional being. So we're seeing, um, we're we're seeing it from the wrong side of a two-way mirror, essentially. Yeah, you could just be be seeing the shadow of an object, right? You could be seeing the full, like the outline, rather than the whole thing. That is in- that is intense, man. <laughs> there's I, there's there's this really interesting thought that um, aliens aliens begin to show up pretty pretty strong uh, around the fifties and six, you know, but people think that the main the main motive for this was when we started splitting the atom and, and launching nukes and testing nukes. And some people theorize that uh, on an atomic level, which would reverberate through the, the dimensions, it's possible that we're doing severe damage to other dimensions by launching these nukes. Hmm. And so part of what these, these beings or craft or whatever you want to call them, what they're doing is trying to stabilize the universe or come back and tell us, Hey, that what you're doing, you probably shouldn't be doing that because there's implications. So, so if, if we stop testing nukes, if we stop whatever the, the CERN, the CERN thing, uh, you're, you're saying that all of this supernatural phenomenon, it may just stop. Uh, I maybe maybe they'd be like okay uh, things are going back to normal uh, there are reports that aliens have a message you know people have recollections of their experiences with with these entities and they say that they can speak in a image-based way through their mind and they show them that humanity is on a path toward technology corruption in a way uh, they're warning people about technology and they're warning people that we need to protect the earth and um so it seems like that's, they do have a message, but to hint on how you, you were talking about demonic realms, I, I think that that's a really interesting thought. 
um, if there are alien species, they're not all bound to be benevolent, right? There's there's going to be something to watch out for. So that's also probably part of the reason that the government is kind of hush-hush. Maybe it's more dire than they know. Maybe it could be something as simple as just aliens. I think it'd be way more interesting if it was interdimensional. Yeah, that that does sound – because, okay, you've, you've obviously watched um, uh, Stranger Things, right? I have, yeah. I've, I've, I think I saw the first. I don't know how many seasons there are. There's three, um, I think, currently, and I've only seen the first one. So, but okay. like when Will when Will goes into the to the upside down, like I imagine that like that the the idea of interdimensional aliens sounds now a lot better than just like aliens, like in our physical realm, because. Uh, because if you were to get sucked into that other realm, you would never forget it for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, you could get pulled in. You don't know the technology. And that's, yeah. It's like, how are you going to get back? Well, if it's anything like the movies, just purely by accident, then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, that's why it's a movie. I think reality is much more harsh, right? Mother Nature and... You know, space and time, it seems unforgiving. It's not really harsh as much as it's just indifferent. And so I think, I think in, if that happened in real life, they'd get sucked in and torn to, to atomic shreds by a black hole or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's, man. Yeah, okay, you've seen Interstellar, though, too, right? Yeah, I really dig Interstellar. The soundtrack is beautiful. Uh, the movie's great. I, I enjoy it a lot. I don't remember anything about any movie soundtrack ever pretty much so i I can't agree (laughs) on that but dude the idea that he's that is kind of the idea that he's in another dimension and he's stuck in the wall right yeah so yeah that's a good analogy there uh talking about interstellar when he's when he's back there behind the bookshelf he's existing i think it's presumed that he could be in the fourth dimension and the way he's seeing things is not how it necessarily is to these fourth dimensional beings, but it's how his mind could handle it. And they guide him to this. Uh, that, that, that seems really beautiful where he's falling through what seems to be shifting realities. And all, he's basically falling through time, right? He's looking at himself in the past. And um, then he goes back and actually affects the past. That's, uh, that, I believe that that could be a, a super uh, accurate pre- predictor or, or description of what it would be like um that movie's pretty incredible i think the black hole scene is really cool too uh as far as i know that's that's fairly accurate yeah and i'm i'll be honest i am i'm now currently seven years removed from seeing that movie so i I need to i should have just i should have just prepared and watched every movie i've ever watched before (laughs) this episode because i I had to have known something was coming up, but uh. well, it's hard to predict. And I mean, I have that kind of memory. That that's that's the kind of memory I have. I I, I have a very visual memory. I I can I can remember things very well. Like I can still picture the movie in my head right now. I do remember the I do remember the scene in the wall though, and that's that's something that honestly, like, when I remember, I got like I got teary because I was like, man, I this dude just wants back. Like, let him back. <laughs> But uh, yeah, dude, that's hey, I'm going to go ahead and resend you a link because we're at 35 minute mark. Is that OK? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. awesome, man. Hello. 
Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes, like I said earlier, technology, right? But uh, <laughs> no, so I feel like you're, uh, I feel like you're kind of, like you said, you're kind of, I, you're, you're not stumbling over your words like I am, but you're a, you're an awesome thinker. I feel like, I feel like you got a, a really good mind on you. Uh, it's Thank surprising you. That, it's surprising that you came out of Union County. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was only there for a little while. My experience, my experience there, uh, some positive. I mean, I, I still keep in contact with, with, with a couple of people, um, here and there. Um, but I, I mean, a lot of my development as a, into a, I guess a man happened outside of that, outside of that environment. That, that was most of my childhood I, since I got out around sixth grade. That's awesome. Yeah. I, dude, I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, man. Uh, I think the last, the last memory I have of you was your last day at school, but the, the previous, the previous memory that I have, and that was probably a year or two before that, mm-hmm. was uh, I'm not sure exactly, but we were at an overnight at Maple Grove Baptist Church, and uh, some older guys were playing Truth or Dare, and they dared someone's older brother to moon the whole group. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I might repress this. I have a lot of religious trauma, and I, I blocked out a bunch, but I'm, I'm excited to hear hear what you have to say yeah there um there was just a lot of acne on that dude's butt so (laughs) (laughs) i tried to repress it but it's like completely drained it's a it's a file i cannot delete from my hard drive (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad i forgot about it i'm sorry that you didn't um maybe get a better look no, probably. I mean, I feel like I was pretty close to it. Um, <laughs> I mean, that can heighten things, right? Our sense of smell. Or... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you don't remember it, but I'll, I'll be honest. Like, it wasn't like a – it's one of those camaraderie moments. It's like we all saw this dude's butt we didn't want to see. Now we're better friends for it. <laughs> like – I, that does because, happen. I, 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 when we're when we're growing up and we have our little gangs of friends and uh, we're running around, those moments do unify you, right? I don't know. I can't remember what this quote's from, but it's like how, or maybe it's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's like, Halloween's the best because you run away from the bullies together. Yeah, yeah. I, I've not seen Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I, uh, I definitely that reverberates within me. Yeah. <laughs> you just really you solidify those friendships through all the crazy stuff that happens when you're together. Yeah, I um, I, I wish I remembered. I wish I remembered more. I mean, I know that we spent I we spent a good deal of time with Josh Campbell and with uh, with Nick. I know in sixth grade, but we weren't in the same classes, and I I really didn't like that. Mm, yeah, those those were hard times, right? When you you just felt like you were being told what to do all the time. I I still keep in contact with Josh and with Nick and. I've I've gone and seen them. They actually came. They used. To, I don't know where they are right now. I know that they used to be in Indianapolis, and they were going to art school here. And they came over to my place once, uh, but I haven't really been able to catch them uh, here. Yeah, in the Josh. Last... I think Josh is in Liberty, and uh, yeah, because he just bought a house with his girlfriend, and then uh, Nick is still out in the Hollow. I think. Cool. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that Nick is in a relationship. I, I knew Josh was. I didn't know he bought a house, but that's that's really interesting. Um, but I used to go over there all the time. I know his mom well, and 
I know his uh, stepdad and uh, we used to always hang out and run around and play outside and run over to his grandma's and all kinds of stuff. And we'd go and see Nick occasionally up, up there. And uh, I liked, <laughs> I liked his dad. His dad's really funny and his, his family's cool. They, I don't know how, how much you've been up there. I'm sure more than I have since I left early. I'd come I, back. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, we spent a lot of, um, let's see, how do I say this? We spent a lot of near-to-well hours in high school at the end of high school partying. So, <laughs> without <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, all right. Yeah, the, the parties there were fun. I, I enjoyed them. Um, it was always a little hard for me. I think I have a hard time. This has been an, a fun interview, but I still I am a very highly anxious person and uh, I tend to overthink a little bit. And so it was always tough for me to go back and just try to be me now because I always thought that people had a, an idea of me then. And I think it's something that everyone tries to overcome a little bit. And obviously you're a different person than the last time I saw you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have less acne um, and more, bo <laughs> more body hair, too. So. <laughs> Oh, good. I mean, I, I've 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 got a, a large beard and I rock the 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 trimmed buzzed head. Um, getting older is is interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I a lot. Some people are feel wistful or or look back on their childhood and wish they could go back. But I the more the older I get, the more I just I feel like it's much much more fun to be an adult. It's much more enjoyable. Yeah, and I've grown. I, I feel the same way because I I too have a large beard. Um, and I've I feel like besides besides in beard growth, I have grown outward in my uh, <laughs> in in my attitude and uh, mm. and just like years ago, um, years ago in high school, there was a the youth leader at the church I went to in College Corner. He uh, he was a college guy. You know, he was he was a man's, you know, he was a man's man, you know, like sport, sporty and all this stuff. And he could talk to girls and I couldn't. And so I kind of, he, he was like, look, you're going to take a couple pages from my book. Like he actually like took me onto campus at Miami and made me talk to women. And I was like, I was a high schooler. So I wasn't going to like, you know, I wasn't, he wasn't trying to make me date college women, but he was trying to get me out of my shell. And I messaged him the other day and I was like, I don't know. Cause we hadn't, kept in uh, contact much but i was like i don't know if you'll even read this but i want you to know like like you took me out of my shell back then and i wouldn't even be able to do the show that i'm doing now like i wouldn't have even been able to like even even four years ago i've since four years ago i've changed i wouldn't have even been able to get a hold of you nate and, and say anything to you <laughs> i have we i time time definitely helps uh I think that growing over the last four years for me has meant something very similar. Maybe it's just part of becoming truly an adult, like in Lord of the Rings where, where hobbits are adults at like age 30. I think that's more accurate nowadays. You know, you feel like more of an adult, the closer to 30 you get, not really more like, not really 18. Yeah. And statistically, I mean, you look, there are actually like, uh, there are surveys from even, even 2013 that, that say that, people aren't even moving out until 26, 28, 30. And they're not looking for life partners. They're not looking for houses to buy, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy. Like, and, and I'm, you know, I've been married for 
for seven years now almost uh i own a house now like it's not um it's not crazy to me but i know a lot of people who who look at that especially younger people who are like married at 21 like i still have two years of heavy drinking to do like (laughs) (laughs) i i mean the the fun of youth right now i think is turning into nihilism and a lot of people are saying well the world is the world is you know it's teetering on the edge it's like watchmen it's like we're one a stroke of the clock away from midnight where armageddon's gonna happen right you have Christians who are praying for the end of time, right, uh, and, and see everything that's happening right now as, as a portent of the end. And then you have people on the other side who are saying, whoa, those people are going to drag us down and climate change is going to ruin us. And so both of those people are just like, well, let's just have fun, right? So it's very Epicurean of them. They want to just seek this fun, seek pleasure, and avoid the pain of reality. Yeah, that's, that's shocking. <laughs> Because yeah, what 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 you said what you said is true. Um, I, I feel like even like like because I would we don't go to church, but I I would say that without it's it's hard to take the label, but I would say I'm I'm a Christian at heart, mm-hmm. and so and, and I there are times where the the world looks pretty bad, and I'm like you know this would be a good time for you to come back. You know, <laughs> you know, and mm. wipe it clean. Um, but there are uh, th- there are other parts of me that say, well, I don't have kids yet. Like I don't have like in 2012, I remember when the world was going to end and I was kind of bought into that. And I was like, the world can't end. I'm not even married yet. <laughs> like I don't barely even have a job and I'm I don't have kids. I don't own a house. And, mm. and I'm still living in my parents' house, for Christ's sake. You can't come back. <laughs> well, I mean, um, that reality is going to be—it's going to be there for somebody. If 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 Christianity is correct and the end of the world is going to occur as they hope, you know, it's going to, then somebody's going to be at that age, and somebody's going to miss out on being married and having a job. Somebody's somebody's going to be a six-year-old in the in the cataclysm, right? Yeah, and it is, you know. In, in that light, it's quite selfish for me to say, like, you can't, you can't, you know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think I think you say that because everyone can identify with that feeling. You know, you're like 17 years old. You're like, oh, man, I just finished high school. It's like this is the most annoying part of life sometimes. And you're just like, going to go out and be on your own. And then the the apocalypse happens. I, I mean, there's, there could be comedy TV shows about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I... This this does I don't know if it's a great transfer and if you know I'm I'm cool with you shutting this question down or whatever but like you know a a big a big memory of mine of hanging out with you actually a lot of memories of mine of hanging out with you were at the Baptist church I mean like and you said you have um, religious trauma do you want to do you want to go into that? I mean, I'm I'm free to go into that because I have religious trauma of my own. So, uh, for, for me, a lot of religious trauma. Uh, I don't know if I want to get into it specifically, but I can talk about my experience with religion. And for me, it was it was growing up. 
religion and the church was a place that we escaped to uh, because our our home life was pretty rocky sometimes and there was abuse happening in the household and there there was uh, times where we were concerned about going hungry and you know it was just an escape right it, it helped me to have a fantasy about possibly you know there's a god out there who loves me and can pull me out of my situation and so i fell into my devotion pretty easily because i was looking for an escape and my faith held me and helped me to, I guess, make good decisions. Uh, I don't believe that it necessarily was a negative thing for me at the time. Um, it's more so just something that I used to try to cope with my reality. And I didn't start questioning it until I went to school, meaning college, and started thinking about everything that I was being taught. Cause I went to, it wasn't, it's not a Bible school, but it's a Christian university. I still took Bible classes and I still went to, to uh, church or uh, every three like times chapel, a week. Yeah. yeah. Chapel three times a week. And so I was, I was immersed in it and I was devout and I, I truly believed everything that I was being told. And there was just a, a moment where I had a bit of clarity about the whole situation. And part of it started to build in me when I started looking at historical t context for scripture, starting to see how a lot of modern Christianity is being uh, indoctrinated from the pulpit rather than from scripture. And then I started looking back at inconsistencies uh, between the Old and New Testament and, and starting started to realize um, that a lot of what is being taught is is sort of a new age Christianity. If you if you want to call it that, and that if I wanted to be a true Christian, I have to believe certain things that are in the Bible. And I got down to the nitty gritty of it. And I just said, I don't think I agree with some of these thoughts. And I mean, I, I'm an agnostic at heart. I can't sit here and say that I think it's 100 percent false, but I can say that if everything in there is true, I personally wouldn't choose to worship that kind of deity. Gotcha. Hopefully that is insightful and not just rambling. No, no, that's uh, like I said, you are, you are far, uh, you are far more well-spoken than I am. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I felt, um, yeah, I felt a, uh, personally in myself, you know, I said we don't go to church and that's because, I feel far from from where church is. You know, mm. I I look when you go to church on a Sunday and you see verses cherry picked and and you hear I don't know, you just don't hear I don't know, when you can read the Bible and it's truth to you, like like I can read the Bible and it's truth to me, and then I go to the church where they're supposed to be talking about the Bible and what's spoken from the pulpit is not truth to me mm -hmm. and it's watered down garbage juice. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just really, that there's a really bad, sick feeling in my stomach. Um, and you know, my grandma, I don't know if you remember her, the grandma I went to Maple Grove with, um, Becky. Um, hmm. I have a hard time remembering was, anything from that time, but I'm sure if I did meet her, um, yeah, she was our Sunday school teacher, so I mean that would be, oh, it would okay. be pretty, yeah. So she 
she remembers you because I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to Nate Hilliard today on the, <laughs> on the podcast. And she was like, oh, man, I remember him. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's funny. I like, <laughs> Our memories just aren't that great when we're children, are they? Yeah. And I mean, if if you're repressing stuff from your childhood, I feel like it's in blocks. You don't have the and you're not controlling it either. Right. It's so, just, it just happens. It's just a part of the experience. So, but anyways, I was, you know, I, I talked to her, I can call her and talk to her openly about what, what issues I have. Hmm. And she's, she's very open and honest and awesome in that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I called her, I've called her, you know, hundreds of times over the last couple of years. And she, she'll say, you know, why aren't you in, she said a couple of years ago, she started saying this a couple of years ago. And when we, when we'd stop going to church, she'd say, well, why aren't you in church? And I, I, I tell her, I'd say, Maul, look, it's not, it's not that I don't love God. I just don't trust his people. <laughs> hey, that's fair. And I think that's pretty common nowadays. A lot of millennials uh, that were part of the church are now either ex-evangelical or they just have a completely personal relationship uh, and try to focus on Jesus and rather than, you know, the God that is described in churches nowadays. Uh, I think that's something that the older generation is going to have to just get used to. Yeah. And that's, it's really, you know, I don't think once I said that, I I think there was more negative. I think what my grandma thought about it was more negative Mm -hmm. than what actually like what she was perceiving, you know, what you can make up in your mind is always, almost always worse than what's actually happening. (laughs) Yes. I would agree with that. Because we go to we go to worst case scenario before best case scenario, and and so when she when when I told her those words, you know, I, it's not that I don't love God, I just don't, I don't agree with, I don't love, or or feel loved by his people, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in in quotation marks, his people, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, and and. Yeah, so I've I've had to fight. I feel like we're on we're on a similar path. We're in a, and maybe maybe you're a little bit further, I, I think a step away than I am. Hmm. Um, if that if that's fair to say, I don't know. You know, that's fair. You're just telling me this, at this so. point, Christianity to me is more of a concept. I think I feel like I I'm able to look back on it, and a lot of my work is situated in my religious trauma and my processing of my own faith and and. Um, my own qualms, I suppose, with my experience. Uh, but I, I have family that are that are great people, and there are Christians. And I think there are Christians out there that are trying to live by the teachings of Jesus and trying to be compassionate and uh, trying to exemplify the positive characteristics of Christ. And, uh, so it, it's it's easy to lump everyone together. Uh, so and but I do have feelings about the church as a whole, as as you have said that you do as well. I mean. There's just some things that just don't jive. It's like if you go and sit down and and you're listening, it just feels inauthentic to me. Yeah, and that's yeah. I'm I'm right there. I'm yeah. We're on the same page. I, I I'm gonna go out and go ahead and say that. Yeah, <laughs> we're on the same page there. Now, okay. So that brings because I wanna I wanna promote the crap out of your work because, like I said, you're you're amazing. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, you're definitely somebody who I look up to in that, in that realm, uh, as far as artists. Um, and so the first thing I, I think I saw once you had, 
you had come out. I know you had an Instagram at one point. I don't know if you still do, but uh, I do. I still have an Instagram. Awesome. And I, I'm just going to have to find that then. But I remember, um, well, maybe I have the, maybe I have the new, I'll have to just look. But so I remember you did a, you did a tarot card set. Yeah, I did. Uh, this was several years back. It's funny, as artists, we we do something, and I feel like it's as soon as you're done, you just look at it and you're like, I hate this. I don't like this. Um, so I'd love to go back and revisit the, the subject again. But yes, I did a tarot deck, and um, that was one of my first projects I, I tried to complete on my own after school. And do I when I saw that, I because you like coming coming from Christianity, I heard tarot deck and I go, oh, like, <laughs> like that's 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 voodoo mama juju. I'm not into that, you know, <laughs> but I started looking at it and I think you had explained it. I don't know if that was on your Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but you had explained it as kind of like a. I don't know if you can remember, but it was kind of you were just like, this is like through a maybe through like a Christian lens at that point. Yeah. At that time it was, it was through a Christian lens lens. And that was in the midst of one of my dilemmas. I, I mean, it coming being, becoming an evangelical for me was a process. And for a while there, I was, I was dealing with immense feelings of guilt, guilt that I wasn't attending church, guilt that I wasn't participating in, you know, the rites, like, you know, reading my Bible and praying and all that. Um, and so a lot of that was, was my dilemma playing out to me. And so that, that tarot deck uh, is sort of, it came about in the throes of my confusion. Yeah. I'd love to, I don't know if, um, I don't know if you have a way to, um, for me to find those again, I would love to look at those again, because I tried to, I looked at your website and it, it, it doesn't have any of those. It has select pieces, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right um, now I'm in the middle of, actually just rolling out a bunch of brand new stuff and been working on this project for a while now um, called Nox Lusum. But the, the tarot deck, I think you can find it if you Google the Kickstarter and if you Google Phantasma Tarot. Um, I believe that all the images are still up there. I don't know about any of like the press releases or anything like that as, as far as like what the content is um, that you're referencing, but it, it was, it might be on there, the text might be on there, but it was a way for me to deal with my own feelings and try to figure out if I still believed in, I guess, in, in Christianity. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing how a, how an art form can, can draw actual real visceral feelings out of you. Um, well, that's a very nice compliment. Thank you. I, 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 I feel like I'm always trying to learn. I'm never really satisfied with my work, but I, I'm a big believer in experimentation and trying to improve. And I think that the journey of being an artist is like you're, is, you're in a dark cave and you're running toward a light and you can never really reach it. You're just running toward the light. And the process of making the art is where you find fulfill, fulfillment. And most of the time, the people that make it are the people that just stick it out because it's it's not easy and it and it takes a lot out of you and you just you you bear your soul to the now the whole internet and sometimes it can you can get down on yourself for sure but you gotta try to find the positivity uh, somehow otherwise a lot of people just quit. Yeah, that's dude. I I see it, I, dude. I see something 
I, I see something, especially growth in your stuff. I, I saw, I've seen what's on the website of the Knox Lucem stuff. And, and I, I really, if you're okay with talking at length about that and where that came out of that, that would be awesome because I, I look at that stuff and I go, Holy crap. Like, like I've seen, like I've seen growth in your, in, in what you're doing. And, and I'm, like okay, when you had that fruits and stuff come out, and I was like, <laughs> "This is amazing!" Like these little illustrations of it—it it, it almost reminded me of like uh, almost like annoying orange, but they didn't crappily throw it together on the computer. Like mm. this is actual. Like there was time and effort put into this, and I remember looking at those and thinking that's awesome. And at the time, I watched a bunch of Adventure Time, and I was like, "Man, it's almost like it." It, it's the art styles are, I don't know that that whole thing. I I just like yeah, it. It's, it is very similar. <laughs> it, it, it's it's similar. I mean, they have rounded teeth. They have you know massive mouths. They have odd eyes and weird proportions and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I still haven't seen it all the way through. I, I I tried to catch a little bit of it when it first came out, but it's just so much. It's hard for me to to get through ten seasons. Um, but speaking of fruits and stoof, I uh, it started for me when I was working with kids at a day job, um, a couple years right after school, and I was working with kids as a kids counselor at an after school program, and I found that I just I wanted to be able to relate to the kids with my art, and I, I couldn't really share what I was working on professionally with other stuff because it's 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 dark, right? Uh, yeah. And you don't really want to scare the kids, and you don't want to get written up, and you know all that kind of stuff. There's just there's a lot to unpack there. But I wanted to be able to do fun stuff with the kids with art, and also do things that they would enjoy. And so part of that was developing these cute characters, and it all started at a, a morning program that I was leading for art with the kids, and I just started drawing vegetable characters and fruit characters and all that kind of stuff. Uh, then it blossomed into me trying to get a book published and getting rejected by multiple agents. And I, that kind of just fizzled out because I, I found more fulfillment for me after I left that job. I was just like, this isn't sustainable for me. Uh, I, I need to think a little deeper about about uh, what really matters to me. And a lot of that was my religious trauma and the way that I was born, uh, the family I was born into and and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, rather than just cute, cute stuff. Sorry, Nate. Oh, you're all good. I know dogs. <laughs> I think mine's just sleeping out there on the couch right now. He's an old guy, though. Yeah, you're, you're lucky there. There's kind of, <laughs> man, he's probably five or six now. I can't remember exactly, but he is, uh, he is always like, he's kind of into his, uh, He's young, so he's loud and mm -hmm. obnoxious, but he's also like becoming he's becoming deaf and a little blind, I think. So he'll <laughs> he's not choosy at what he barks at. <laughs> gotcha. I'm surprised he hasn't been barking at your voice, to be honest. Like some disembodied voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, our our guy, he's blind too. He, he's getting there at least. Um, he's got the cloudy eyes and all that. Uh, we only just got him last year. Uh, toward October, we had a we had a, a cat for a while uh, whose name was Bones, and he passed away in October. And I didn't I didn't expect us to get another another pet so soon, but we did, and we ended up with two. We ended up with a dog and a cat. That's awesome. Yeah, the I'm actually um, 
see. My wife just walked into the room, so I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show her a picture. Um, this is the type of dog that Nate has. Oh, a Chinese person. Yeah, she knows. Oh, yeah, she knows. Why don't you just listen to her? <laughs> yeah, she works at a dog kennel. So, I, do you have any of those out there? Oh, they are way too expensive. Yeah, that's. Um, They're okay, cute or ugly, or both. Uh, they are the kind of dogs that are so ugly they're cute. <laughs> there you go, that's the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome, man. So, if I, I'm I apologize if I get um, if I got lost in all the barking, but I'm so sorry. Oh, um, no worries, you're fine, you're fine. So, all right, so you were you were finishing up about the the fruits and stuff you said that was that was to uh that was to have a way to connect with the kids and then you said something else there at the end yeah it was, I, it was a way I, to connect with the kids and then it, once i left the job uh, i just started to pick up business with my other stuff my dark horror fantasy you know black and white uh dark paintings that kind of stuff that stuff started to gain traction and and uh i just had less and less time to work on it and i i just decided that if i didn't love it enough to do it as my my sole thing, then I was just going to allow it to go to sleep, essentially. And maybe one day I'll pick it back up and do something fun with it. But it helps me to get through those those few years with um, with the day job and relating to the, the job somehow to art uh, helped me to, I guess, stay sane. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Now, the Knox Lucem stuff, did that come out of something like – because did that come out of the tarot set or? Uh, so Knox Lucem was birthed my senior year of school and it came to me in a thrust, I suppose. I wrote this, I wrote this small book or companion, whatever you want to call it. it. I wrote it in about a month and just stream of consciousness. And it was all concerned the the death of my grandmother. She was the faith architect for me as a child. She would, you know, lug me around to the Bible schools and, and help me to understand what I'm reading in the Bible and you know, give me gum during, during the sermon and stuff like that. And yeah. <laughs> she, she was, she, I mean, I still have fond memories of her. She is an amazing woman. She did amazing things. She essentially helped us to survive as kids by helping my mom out and, and giving us a place to go. And she's just a wonderful person. Um, and so I had a, a ton of feelings about her passing and, and her passing really made me question my faith. And that's where all this started. And so the book itself that I wrote was called Tesseract and uh, it concerned my journey of finding faith. And it was me trying to, it was almost like the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like, I'm, I'm doubting my faith and this is where it's taking me. And it ended on a, in a positive note, uh, this first book that I wrote. And I didn't really touch it after graduating for several years. And now it's coming back and it's almost like I'm uh, coming back and it means something completely different to me. Um, and I'm able to combine that with a lot of new ideas and a lot of new thoughts that I have. I don't really want to share too much. I can give you like a little pitch of what it's going to be. Um, but that's where it started. Hey, dude, you know, speak, uh, 
speak what you what you feel like you can about it. If actually we're at the thirty one minute mark, so if you want to, I'll send you another link and in the, like two minute break, you can kind of you know formula, formulate a thought. Cool. All right, that sounds great. Cool, man. Awesome. Hello. Better that take one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we didn't get that take right. We did not. I should have known that the music, I heard the music playing in the background, but I was like, I've heard this music a bunch of times, the anchor intro music. So I was like, it's probably just bored into my head and I'm imagining it. <laughs> well, that's okay. I can, uh, I can go through it again. Is that, a, is that fine? Uh, you won't mind hearing it again, do you? I absolutely don't mind, especially if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind. It may be a little different, but I don't mind. Um, so Nox Lusum is going to be a story about uh, Enoch. Uh, Enoch being the man who was taken from the earth by God, who didn't experience mortal death. Uh, he was considered to be so devout that he was taken to heaven instead without having to experience it. And so it's going to be from his perspective, and he's going to be going to heaven, and things are not as they seem. Uh, the land of Noxlusum is going to pertain to New Jerusalem in the end of time coming down to earth. So heaven uh, being drawn down to earth physically to exist on the carnal plane. And Yahweh is going to be positioned as an antagonist. So the story itself uh, is concerned with Enoch and arriving in heaven and things are not as they seem. And he starts to try to change that and is smited. Uh, he experiences mortal death and wakes up in purgatory, which is the land outside of the gates of paradise. So uh, that's where the, the project goes. Uh, and there's a lot more that I can't really talk about right now, but it's going to follow Enoch and his journeys and discoveries around the land of purgatory, what he sees, his sketches and letters that he collects from fallen apostles and from, uh, his visions of unsightly heavenly beasts and all kinds of really crazy killer stuff. Uh, now tell me if I didn't mention anything that I mentioned before. You absolutely mentioned, uh, I think that was almost word for word. So. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. See, I may be able to, to talk coherently, but sometimes I just, it's, it's tough to relate certain information the same way and feel like you got it, you know? No. Yeah. I, I totally got it. Now, um, the, the thing that I'm not, so it's a series of artwork or you, are you trying to make a coffee table book? Now, this is going to be a collected, a collected Bible, if you want to call it, of, of short stories, maybe 30 pages long positioned like it's a, a, it's a Bible with, with, with books of the Bible from, you know, characters that we're familiar with. For example, um, here in the wasteland, Samson is going to be back and, He's realized that he's killed innocent people while during his time on earth at the hands of God. And he's going to reckon with his faith and maybe ultimately become like Conan the Barbarian. He's going to go wild in the wasteland and tear through angels and, you know, go to the battlefields uh, where in the waste, the, the band of the dust of moon and, and the weeping sun are fighting eternally over the roads to heaven. Huh. Do that. That's incredible, man. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of really gnarly stuff. I'm, I'm glad it sounds cool. A lot of this I keep very close to the chest. Uh, I, I try not to to say too much. I, I know that I probably should say more than I normally do. So actually, a lot of this stuff is brand new. Like people, I haven't said this to really anyone yet. 
That's that's amazing, man. Yeah, I I'm I'm glad to be one of the I'm glad to be one of the first to to hear about it. I'm I'm definitely gonna keep in touch and uh, man, I want to see some of that stuff because that dude, your style is um, I think it's something I've never witnessed. Um, Thanks. Before and I what. I definitely get the heebie-jeebies when I look at most of your stuff. Like, and that's the point, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. A lot of my uh, early artwork was just playing with the themes of beauty and horror and trying to and trying to show people that the things that are scary aren't always evil. And the things that are you know good-looking or you know beautiful sometimes are the most nefarious. Yeah. I, dude, and I'll, if, I can, if I can tell you a story really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm listening. So when we lived in when we lived in our rental house in Brownsville, all right, we we had and Stephanie can attest to this from across the room. We had a lot of um, supernatural uh, interaction there. Hmm, uh, okay, yeah, tell me everything. So uh, we, I had this, and, and okay, so I I would draw, and I wouldn't draw there a lot. I mm-hmm. I just it wasn't. Somehow, sometimes you had to be in the right space, and I just wasn't in the right space there. Mm-hmm. But there were times where I felt almost like I I don't ever want to use this word, but like possessed to draw this thing, and like <laughs> and and so like there was something that took. It, I was just pre- I felt I was I felt like I was being pressured, and I was like in this weird space where I know you felt this. I know, I know you can understand this. Where like you don't know if it's God talking to you or not. Hmm. And I'm I'm sitting there going like, man, I really I need to draw this thing. I need to draw, but I don't know. It's odd to have an urge to draw and then you don't know what to draw. And right. It's like you need to listen to it or you know try to close your eyes and focus in or something. Yeah. And so I started drawing this thing, and I I, I would quit. I would be like, nope. Like I like I said a couple times to to Stephanie, even I was like, I feel like this is demonic or something like like because I feel like something is coming out of me that's not true. And, and I was just truly lost. I was like, man, I like, God, if this is you tell tell me somehow. And so I would stop, like I would draw and, and, and then, and then stop and put it down for like two weeks and then be drawn back to like, finish this thing, finish this thing. And that happened like five different times, hmm. but I, I finished this piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, Oh, I couldn't even barely look at it, dude. <laughs> you have to send this to me. <laughs> and, and so the once I finished it, I was like, okay, we had been going to this uh, this Bible study in Oxford. Um, there were like, you know, a lot of spiritual people there, whatever. And I was like, okay, my friend here that invited us, I'm sure he knows a guy. He knows a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sure, he knows someone who could who could um, take and uh, interpret this art because mm. I know what it is but i was like I, I want somebody to interpret this art mm-hmm. and so um i he he looked around he he got me a hold of you know <laughs> he he got me in touch with somebody on instagram i sent the guy the the picture and he was like hey yeah um let me you know the whole let me let me pray about it you know kind of thing and because mm-hmm. I was, I came, I came to him and I was like, I didn't tell him what I thought. I wasn't like, oh, I think it's demonic or whatever. You got to look at this. 
mm-hmm. I, I just said, I, I need you to look at this thing. And he was like, well, let me, let me tell you, I think it's, he's like, I prayed about it a lot and all this stuff. I think it's your, um, I think it's, it's a depiction of your angels. Interesting. I think that's really weird because, again, my wife can attest to how creepy the picture is. It's not a picture. It it's not a picture of what we think angels are. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Angels are not going to be anything that we can even comprehend. I think if there are angels and they they abide by our our physical laws, then they're going to be you know, transdimensional horrors, right? They're, like there's a reason in the Bible, and I think I feel like this is said a lot, but there's a reason that they say, "Do not fear." It's like, no, I'm an angel. You don't need to freak out. Yeah, and so, so that that actually um, that actually comes to my next point, which is then when I started reading rereading the Bible, because really that I I I started getting back into the Bible after that point um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason I'm not even sure what, but then yeah I would read those accounts of the angels and I was like okay this totally one one day the light bulb came on and I was like maybe that is. Maybe that is a depiction of an angel because this thing scares the holy crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it's like when I, yeah. And, and so that's, I don't know why I told you, but I'll send you the picture. <laughs> I'll send you the picture because I feel like it's, that's the only thing that I could, um, that I could say that I've ever done that, um, that rides that line between like faith and horror. And that wasn't my Mm. intention, but it was definitely one of those times where like you're drawn to the piece and you just do it. I think that's a feeling that a lot of artists would identify with. It's, it's, it's a spiritual practice. It feels like you're, you're putting something down on paper that is coming straight from your imagination. I, that's why I identify with surrealism so much. It's it's less rigorous academic reference, and you know, it's hard hard fantasy and sci-fi where you're, you're drawing things that have been already been thought of, and you're you're doing something that almost. I mean, are you familiar with the concept of tulpas? Tulpas, T-U-L-P-A-S. Yeah. No. <laughs> the, the idea is that you by thinking of something you manifest it um it could can it could it could explain ufos it could explain cryptids but it's there's some power of our consciousness that we just haven't topped into yet possibly but the the theory is that maybe men some men in black or tulpas uh but the tulpa is a construct created by your consciousness and the, the more thought we put into it the more like the society as a whole puts thought into it the more it could affect our our, our literal reality yeah yeah we're we're both shaking our heads here uh in agreement <laughs> <laughs> really fascinating stuff but that could also explain all kinds of religious experience it could it could explain like bizarre things that we've seen in space or in the sky, you know, why everything is so different. It's like, why are these UFOs sometimes spheres within, within cubes? Why sometimes are they pyramids? Why sometimes are there, are there floating humanoids? It's like, it just seems so disparate in, in how like it's, it's not homogenous. So it's like either we're being visited by hundreds of different types of things, or it's maybe our consciousness is involved somehow. And we're thinking up, you know, the most creative ideas we can and it's affecting our reality i would rather i'll be honest with you when i think about that 
like my heart sinks when you're saying all that stuff because, <laughs> because I would rather it be some physical thing that I can't control than to think I had anything to do with <laughs> <laughs> because there was a there was a guy I used to work with at the casket factory who he was a Buddhist and mm -hmm. uh, and he did I never heard the word tulpas from here from him but I did um I did hear that he's like because I would talk to him about some of the su supernatural things that I would see and he's like well well maybe um maybe there's a way in your mind that you can conquer it um, because it's just some of these things are just a, um, our our perception taking a human or not a human form but a physical form and I'm like I really because okay you said you wanted to hear stuff from Brownsville all right there was this thing that would go in, that would come into our backyard and it would actually eat cats oh interesting I, did you ever catch sight of it I saw it capture a cat go behind a barn and then eat the cat you could hear it because Brown in Brownsville at night dude. It's it's crystal clear. I mean, you can see that there's no light. You can see every single star in the sky, and it's quiet. It's mm. dead quiet, and I could hear that thing chomping. And you could hear the the cats kind of. I mean, just think about something eating a cat, and the sounds you would hear. That's what you were yeah. hearing. And so, did you catch any sight of it running away, or did you just heard sounds? Um, one time I could see the figure of it. And, and like I said, it, this was on a, this was on a mo moonlit night. This thing was as big as our shed. I mean, it's. Oh, it's, really? It was that large. I'm talking like nine, 10, 11 foot. Stephanie's agreeing. She's. <laughs> wow. Dude. Okay. So there are cryptids in Indiana. I don't know if you've heard of the Indiana beast. That's pr probably the most famous one I have. A family friend that has seen that one. It, I don't know if this is anywhere near what that would look like, but just a massive half deer, half man. Okay, no, I I don't think that's it. Gotcha. Um, you've seen Super Eight, right? Yeah, I have seen Super Eight. Yeah. Think of the thing, kind of like. Would you say Super Eight, the the beast from Super Eight? Kind of. Kind of, but it's like more malnourished. <laughs> did you hear that <laughs> yeah more malnourished that's interesting man what could that be it's like a chupacabra almost but huge yeah kind of yeah and it's dude i mean and stuff like okay i was just talking to somebody earlier um about like i saw when i was in ninth grade i saw a i saw a human figure i, I don't want to say man or a woman or anything i saw a human figure in uh in like a suit made out of like reeds, like almost like a suit of armor, but it didn't have bottoms. It had a had like a loincloth, and it it was in the it was in a tree near the graveyard from across the street from my house, where I grew up, and it mm -hmm. jumped from that tree to the tree in front of my parents' house. Then it jumped onto the roof. Then it jumped down into the backyard onto the swing set leapt off the swing set and disappeared just completely vanished and i had always <laughs> i had always wrestled with that dude and then last um let's see it was it no it was the christmas of um it would have been the christmas of 2016 i we had a christmas party for my work at the um the banquet hall at the um Richmond or uh, Wayne County Historical Museum. Um, and so part of the deal 
was that after our banquet, we got to go through the museum and just have free reign at the museum. Well, in the basement down there, they have a picture of a uh, Native American uh, shaman or medicine man. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at that picture, I was like, holy crap, that is the guy that I like. That's the thing I saw. Wow. Okay. Okay. Specter of like a medicine man, and I had never seen anything like I'd never seen a picture of that. I'd never heard a description of of the, and it was the full dress. I mean, I, what I saw was the full Native American garb. And when you look at, I looked at this picture, dude, and I saw the. It was a picture from the I think late eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds, and the guy's eyes are just pitch black, and I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it was so creepy, but. Like we, it's it's a mixed bag down there. Like people are like, real quick, can you tell me what you've seen in Brownsville? And I was like, it would take me a year. <laughs> it's such a mixed bag. But so you go from humanoid, you know, like maybe like straight up a ghost, which I don't terribly believe in ghosts as far as they're, you know, the. Well, I could. You want to convince you? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts as far as, you know, here's a human spirit that's trapped on earth. Uh, I, I think a lot of people know this or have considered this, but um, I, I, I put my eggs in the basket of it's possible that these are, that time is, time is complete already, right? We come into our bodies and experience a short amount of time and then we hop out, right? So we're, we're unconscious, then we're conscious, then we're unconscious. And so if you looked at it that way, when you die, the whole world is over, right? Uh, history collapses. And so if you were to wake back up, it's going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or maybe thousands of years in the future. And so time is like a compressed snake in some way from, from like beginning to end. And it's possible that ghosts are just mirages of history, fluctuating throughout time and so you could be sitting on your you could be sitting on your couch and you look out your door and you see three figures coming in the house and then you know 10 years later there's three figures coming in the house and they see a figure sitting on the chair and it just could be the compression of time and we're witnessing the power of our energy and our consciousness that's that's leaking through the seams and through dimensions (laughs) so that could be what you saw Dude, that um, you're blowing my mind, man. That, that, yeah, I'm gonna have to. You make me. You make me want to hide. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a comforting thought. Uh, I do believe that there's a rational explanation for everything. Now, do I believe that ration that rational means that we know everything? No, I think that. There's so many bizarre things we don't understand, but there's a scientific way to go about understanding them. Uh, there, I mean, I quote that sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. At, at a certain point, if you go back in time with an iPhone to say any any time, like you know, before let's say the 1600s, even they're going to think that's magic. So it's not impossible to think that there are extra-dimensional or extraterrestrial beings that possess technology that's thousands of years in the future from us. And when they bring it back, we're like, what is this goo? How does it work? All I know is that it's toxic to us, but there's some sort of application scientifically for these people. Yeah. And that's when, when I, when you say that, when I said that you were scaring me and that I wanted to hide it, I'm behind that. And I really enjoy that theory. 
Oh, but, good. Okay. But what I, <laughs> what I really mean is let me sleep on that one for 10 whole years because my brain is worn out. <laughs> and I love, dude, I love the idea of that. Now, the, the hump that I, you said that probably I could look at the tape and you probably said all that within 40 seconds. And you're very concise about it. And that's the problem. That's the problem <laughs> I have with it is you compress just like that, just like that compressed snake that is time. <laughs> you compress <laughs> a gigantic, just reality shattering idea into 40 seconds. So Yeah, I, I tend to be I can just move on from that because I'm just such such an ultimate agnostic that it's I can consider it and then I'm like, but you know, like if, if it's true then that's reality. If not, then okay, then I can think of something new. But uh I'm a huge conspiracy and you know, mystery like ancient aliens buff. I, I love all that kind of stuff. Uh we mentioned giants earlier. There's so much evidence for giants, it's insane. Um, you know, footprints and skeletons and not to mention if you believe in the bible it's literally there or if you you know look at any other ancient texts like pictures of hieroglyphics where there's giant humans holding tiny humans now that could be alien you could call it whatever you want you could call it an phylum but i think the the truth there is that there are things we don't know that uh were reality at some point and now they're just history and artifacts yeah yeah, we're. I think we're. I think we're there in our house. I think we're there with uh, with the giants being real. And yeah, that that is kind of like what perception is. Uh, where perception leaves you, like the whole, you know, like what 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 is going to imagine what could look like magic to us, like because yeah. we're we're probably both. Yeah, unless something terrible happens, we're probably both going to live another thirty to forty years. And, and so when when you go to looking at that, I just it, it's amazing to look down that to think down the road. What are we going to see that's going to look like magic to us? Because when, when we were in middle school, the iPhone didn't exist. <laughs> right. It's like we were running around with with old fifty dollar MP3 players or, you know, things were just like we used floppy disks when we were in elementary school. Yeah. I still have floppy disks. I don't. I don't have a computer. <laughs> Actually, I think my desktop can take them still. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, technology becomes obsolete, and when we were we were talking about the um, the possibility of you know, disclosure or aliens, you know, on a normal time scale, those things happen, right? Like we're getting technology that's improving between the MP3 player and the you know like. The, a brand new iPhone, but if disclosure happens, and let's say there there are extra dimensional beings, and they start to share more technology, in thirty or forty years, we could see something akin to people don't age anymore, or people don't get diseases, or we figured out cancer, you know, things like that that are that seem so far away. But if there really is something going on like this, they have that technology to transcend our mortal woes and to help us to help pull us out of our ignorance as a, as a human species. Yeah. Dude. I'm letting it all, I'm just letting it all sink in. <laughs> yeah. This kind of stuff is, is super fascinating. Um, that's probably what I listen to for the most part while I'm working. I used to watch things. It's why I'm a really big movie guy. I like watching especially new genre, like new genre movies, specifically 
horror for the most part. But uh, I've been on a podcast kick and just trying to read more and, and learn as much as I can and finding finding fun and just learning something different and new. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm the same way. I listen to a lot of – now, I I listen to, I, I think, uh, typically more faith-based stuff. But on the on the on the evangelical side of it, like like you're talking mm. about, like I can't I I couldn't bring myself probably to listen to an actual Christian podcast because it just there's just enough that I wouldn't agree with. I couldn't listen to every episode, but like um, gotcha. you, you remember Veggie Tales, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Veggie Tales was a huge part of childhood. And so I, so Phil Vischer has a podcast called The Holy Post. It used to be called The Phil Vischer Podcast, but now it's called The Holy Post. And I'll listen to that. And there's still, that's probably the most Christian podcast that I listen to, but he's always on there butting heads with people about <laughs> what's wrong with Christianity. So, um, hmm. but yeah, like, like I said, that, um, the blurry dude, I, if I were you, I would check out Blurry Creatures because it's, it's a cryptid podcast, but it's, it's from the perspective of, what's the Bible got to say about it, but it's not too, you know, it, it's never in your face about it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I still read the Bible I and mean, I study it more of, you know, just as an artifact, like in a, as a series of stories, because I, I, I'm trying to root all my work and my project in, in this biblical truth, you know, what, what the Bible says is true and trying to consider the implications of those things, if they were true. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting stuff I, that is just littered throughout the Bible that people sometimes gloss over. Like there's there's monsters and there's all kinds of murder and uh, there's really interesting and there's action and there's really interesting parts of the Bible that are just mysteries, like the like the Leviathan or the, the creatures, um, like the Nephilim too. People gloss over that, but the Nephilim are biblical. Yeah, and I've I don't know how many people I've ran into in the last probably four years that go to church every Sunday that tell me that's not biblical. <laughs> and I'm well, like, be, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me give you a, let me give you a second. Just give me a second. I'll show you exactly where it is. And they just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of my qualms with the church nowadays. It's they're not interested in having discussions about the Bible. They're just more interested in, you know, what, here's the two verses we have for this week. And then here's the offering plate. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if there was a church out there that was like, hey, we're here to question everything and really dig into the context and look at the history. And uh, there's, there's just so much interesting material out there on how the Bible was started, how it was formed, how the books were, you know, got their beginnings. I mean, there, there's a lot of the Christian Genesis um, myth that it has its, its roots in the Enuma Elish which is the, the most ancient of religions that we have. And, you know, you have the figure of Christ being paralleled in several other religions. And um, it's possible that all these things are hinting at a universal truth in some form. Uh, so like you have the Quran that specifically mentions how Moses was given the Torah and that, you know, they believe that the religions are connected in some way. And I think that's really fascinating to think that there might've been some sort of impetus moment in, in the uh, annals of history where all this, these things came out of and there's some nugget or kernel of truth but we just can't really grasp it since we're so far removed yeah 
that's hey if you find if you ever find a church that's like that we will travel any distance to attend it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why i think it's more of a maybe it's a tulpa i'll just think really hard and i'll try to manifest it (laughs) yeah we can we can hope for something like that we just yeah we've we've had a we've had a really long battle with um with trying to find some, something that's going to present the truth to us on, on every Sunday. And, and I think that's, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that's why podcasts are good. I think podcasts are the church of the future. Um, they're the mm. church in your pocket. Um, and as long as you're, I mean, you kind of have to be on guard because there, there are our podcasts that are bull crap, you know, um, mm-hmm. like mine, for instance, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there, you know, there, there are, there are times where I've, you know, spent a year just completely in engaged in a podcast. And then I wake up one day and I'm like, hang on, this has been bull crap the whole time. And so, um, and it's the same thing as, I don't know, we, <laughs> I think that um, we are at the point in history, I think you might agree with this, where it's not that we're, it's not that we don't want um, these structural things. Um, These structural things just aren't serving us anymore. Yeah, people have grown unhappy with more and more, and this is with all different sectors of society. It could be the economy, it could be politics, it could be religion, but people are just unhappy because they've been oppressed for so long. They've been oppressed by the economy. They've been oppressed by and negative politics. They've been oppressed by uh, the people that have more money than them. Um, and a lot of it's just infighting. You know, it's, the, it's rich people that are getting everyone underneath them. That's, you know, when I say rich, I'm talking about, you know, billionaires and I'm talking about, you know, millionaires who have hundreds of millions, those kind of people that they thrive on our, are in our disagreements and they just want to keep us distracted so that we don't realize that if we came together and if we started to seek truth and if we stopped looking at our phones and we started realizing um, and having realizing certain truths, but also having, like you said, a healthy skepticism about all the information we're being fed then we'd realize that, yeah, a lot of our crops are filled with terrible ingredients and they're, they're causing cancer and they're leading to obesity and they're, they're hurting the country. And our educational system is designed just to make us better workers in a nine to five job. It's not really designed to help us think as humans rationally and explore, uh, uh, explore truth and try to reason. Uh, it's, once people start waking up to those, to those things, I think you'll see significant change in the world. 100% agree, man. Uh, hey, I hate to I hate to do this. Um, I think I'm gonna hop off here. I think we got some we got some stuff to do. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I dude, when you said y'all set aside two to five, I was like, well, it never it never lasts this long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I, I know that I can talk a lot and I, uh, I do know that, uh, I just, I'd like to, I like to give as much time as possible to the people like that have me on and, and just allow the conversation to breathe. I don't know how much you edit, but feel free to edit how you like. I edit zero and I've always been that way. Um, like I, I, I think a big, a big, uh, piece of, uh, what, what I, what I strive for is like, no cussing and like if you had said cuss words i wouldn't have edited it out like it's not that i'm lazy and i don't want to edit it out i'm just like 
I just don't want to touch the conversation because I could. Um, and I've heard podcasts that are edited that are that are horrible patchwork, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to stoop to that. But yeah, don't apologize. Gotcha. For, don't apologize for setting aside time because I I, I apologize if I came across as uh, being whiny about it. I, I'll be honest with you. I I I enjoy having good conversations, and if it takes this long, I don't care, man. That it's it's really <laughs> been awesome. It's been it's been really cool to reconnect. Um, do you okay? So it's is it knoxlusum.com? Uh, you can go there, yeah. If you just type my name in natehillier.com, you'll you'll get there. That's probably the best way. Um, you can find me on Instagram at natehillier as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll I'll link those in the show notes if that's all right with you. Um, like I said, I really want to promote this stuff because it's um, it's super interesting to me, and it's not just because. I know this famous artist, <laughs> even though you're not, uh, I don't know how famous you call yourself, but you're, I'm just ordinary. You're a talent, dude. You're a talent. I'll say that out loud. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited to, to read and to, to see what you have coming out, um, in the future. Um, but yeah, dude, keep, keep going. Uh, I hope to stay in touch. And if you ever want to be back on, you're, you're my guest, man. So Sweet. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad I didn't slip up. I actually talked like a sailor. So uh, I'm glad I didn't even have one mistake. So that's that, that. I'm proud about that. I just hope that I don't. I mean, when I come on these things, the only thing I hope is that I don't sound like a jerk and that I, you know, just come across in, in a relatable way. Those are my two main, main goals. And, I'm um, really uh, happy that you had me on. It was a fun conversation. And like you said, it was nice to reconnect and, and all that. And uh, if you ever want me back on, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, maybe when I have more more stuff to talk about with Knox Lusum, that'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely, man. Keep me in the loop on that. And uh, try to enjoy the rest. What, wait, it's not the weekend, is it? Yeah. I have a day oh, I in wish. the middle of the week. That It was so scary. <laughs> enjoy the rest of your week then. Hump day, right? <laughs> That's right. Hump day. All right. You guys enjoy the rest of your day as well. Yeah, you too, Nate. Have a good one. See ya. What did I tell you guys? Uh, Nate's an awesome dude. Um, And this actually marks the first episode that I've had a Nate on the episode. Um, And I've actually, I found some bad news out right after me and Nate got off the phone. So... I had been talking to the guys from Blurry Creatures, and they were going to come on the show, and they got a hold of me on Instagram Messenger right in the middle of me and Nate recording this episode. And so if I had gotten a a hold of them at three-something when they got a hold of me, I probably could have had an episode (laughs) recorded with them, too. So I, I would have went from zero Nates on the show to two Nates in the show um, real quick. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to just keep on the wire with them, uh, and hopefully we can get something to meet up. I, I felt so, oh, like I blew it, but I was like, well, having Nate Hillier on the show is way uh, – you know, we had we had planned this in advance, and it was way more important than having the Blurry Creatures guys on. Um, although that is pretty important to me, uh, 
So, hey, maybe look for that in the near future. I don't know. Um, might have to take another day off of work uh, for it to work out, but we'll get that on in the future. Uh, in the meantime, go to natehillier.com. Check that out. Uh, make sure you grab the links in the description of the show um, for his Instagram and his uh, website. Check out his art. Uh, donate to him if you can. Um, and, and per, you know, purchase stuff from him if, if, if you can. So, uh, yeah, uh, awesome dude, good character, uh, great art. Uh, what else can you ask for? Seriously. So, uh, you guys have a great rest of the week and we will catch you later. Peace.